0: i <laughs>
1: Boys and ghouls, welcome to episode 31 of Dads from the Crypt, a Tales from the Crypt podcast. My name is Jason. I am joined by Mondo. Hello. And Jody. Hello. And tonight we have a very special guest. His name is Ben Scrivens, and he is the owner of Fright Rags. Welcome to the podcast, Ben.
2: Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate you uh, asking me to be on
1: here. Oh, it's our pleasure. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and tell people about Fright Rags?
2: Uh, Fright Rags is uh, an online horror website where we sell uh, horror-themed apparel and accessories. We've been doing it since 2003. Everything's licensed, and we have tons of collections from Halloween, The Evil Dead, to Trick or Treat, Killer Clowns, and tons more.
1: And you have socks.
2: Yes, (laughs) socks, and
0: lounge pants, and hats, and all sorts of goodies. Um, yeah, I think uh, all three of us have on some kind of EC Comics stuff from Fright Rags because Jason's got the hat, Mondo's got a shirt, and I am details. wearing the lounge pants right now. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs>
3: I, I, I've I've bought a lot of stuff from Fright Rags over the years. The EC Comics collections of shirts are my favorite things ever. I love the hat so much. My head is too big, though. I look like shit in hats. Same uh, <laughs> I the exact same problem. <laughs>
2: We actually, we used to, I don't know if you guys knew this, but we did uh, actual HBO Tales from the Crypt stuff at one point with Crypt Keeper, and we did do licensed stuff, and unfortunately, we were never able to get the license back. Um, they just did not, they were not interested in licensing out to anybody, so, but we were really happy to work with uh, Corey Misfoot at, um, at EC Comics and, you know, William Gaines Estate, so uh, we're very happy to keep,
1: keep that spirit alive uh, with the comics, so. Yeah, it's fantastic. And uh, one of the things I always really appreciate about Fright Rags is you have a very wide variety of sizes. I'm I'm a tall guy, so I like having, you know, the big boy shirts. <laughs>
2: Good. I'm glad. Yeah, we, we definitely want to make sure we're as inclusive as possible and making a wide variety. And honestly, like not just the shirts, but even the lounge pants, some people will complain and be like, why don't you go up to like 5X? I'm like. You don't understand. These things stretch so much. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh,
2: my my office manager, Kimmy, her brother is 6'6", six, six, 450 pounds. And we have a picture of him in our extra large uh, pants, and he fits Damn. them just fine. And I'm yeah, like, nice. that's a big boy. I say, he can <laughs> fit in those things. Pretty much anybody can fit in those things. And that's only an XL when I think we started going up to 3XML. So, I mean, you know.
3: Yeah, as a, my new vice as I get older in life is this soft cotton. Yes. and
1: uh <laughs> I, I, all these the work from we, home material. yeah
3: so i was again i was at this concert on saturday and i was buying some shirts and the whole time I'm like please be soft cotton please be soft <laughs> cotton and they're soft cotton and made me so happy because like <laughs> i have those old band shirts and old metal shirts and that heavyweight cotton yeah it just doesn't do it for me anymore
2: <laughs> i tell you people still i know that it's coming around again and people ask us if we're going to go back to like the heavyweight gildan like yeah you know thick uh chopped cotton and interestingly enough not to dive too much into that but chopped cotton like that those thick shirts they're thick mostly because they use really um, literally shreds and chopped cotton it's chopped cotton that they have oh, to wow hmm. so they they kind of make it thicker so it stands up but it the the, the print quality you usually can't get a really good detailed print because um, it's 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 too like the peaks and valleys of the threads it's too yeah. much but when you have a thin softer cotton you can actually make it thinner because what we use is ring spun cotton so it's a longer strand and actually is stronger and people mistake thinness with it's gonna rip now there's some cheap shirts out there but i always assure people when they have that question like actually what we use costs like three times more than that other stuff (laughs) so it's you know but then you got kanye west selling a gildan heavyweight shirt with a one color print on it for $175. So what do I know? Brother? Yeah. <laughs>
3: I, I could talk about that for days, but if people, people want to pay
1: for it.
2: Uh, oh yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm not uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's funny. I'm not, you
1: know, no, it hurts. We, it hurts. <laughs> We all spend enough money on guitars. (laughs) That's
2: true. That's true. I can, yeah, yeah. I'm sure people have enough uh, things to say about me and my guitar habit. So, you know, I can't say. (laughs)
1: Um, So your latest collection, I believe, was Twilight Zone, which is very cool. Yes. Um, And one of the things I love about Fright Rags, you're not just slapping a logo on there. I mean, yes, you have logos, but then you go a step further and you have all these cool artist renditions and scenes and stuff that you're not going to find anywhere else. Um, so, again, that's what I really appreciate about Fright Rags. What other collections do you have coming out soon?
2: Oh, well, we've got uh, – we just announced uh, the new, brand-new Texas Chainsaw mm-hmm. Massacre yeah. film. It's coming to Netflix on the 18th. we got the collection coming out uh, on Wednesday. What's today? Monday? Yeah, so it's Wednesday in two days. Um, we've oh. got Twin Peaks coming out. Um, we're doing new stuff for that. Uh, we've got a couple other things coming up. We've got Evil Dead 2. We're doing mm-hmm. more for that. We're doing more for Killer Clowns. Um, I mean, we literally have collections coming out every week. And when I look at the slate, you know, we planned out, we basically plan out every week for the entire year already. Um, and things always change and shift. So that it's, it's not set in stone, but we like to have a plan and there's still not enough room for other things that we want to do that will probably end up shoehorning in there. So, um, It's definitely fun and interesting to try to come up with new stuff each time. You know, like uh, Twilight Zone, we had done a few years ago and, you know, we did okay. And then um, we were able to get the license back recently in the last year and a half or so. And we wanted to bring back some of the best sellers, but then we wanted to do some new stuff. And it's hard with a property like that because you can't always use likenesses and you can't always use, you know, uh, certain images that you would just say, well, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you use Rod Serling? Why didn't you do this? Well, we can't, we're not allowed to, right, right. you know? So you have to find creative ways to uh, use this imagery. And, you know, we work with really talented artists and and Kyle Crawford and Justin Osborne are two of our main guys that we go to all the time. We use a lot of other people as well, but those are like the guys that are kind of like our exclusive dudes and i uh, been friends of mine for a long time. And, they consistently find ways to come up with stuff. I mean, we do collaborate really well together, but there are times where they just present something most of the time where I just go, yeah, that's great. That's amazing. Like I don't <laughs> know what to say about that. You know what I mean? There's other times where it, it takes a little more like, oh, I'll try this. Let's try this. But there's other times where I'm like, no, you pretty much nailed it. Let's do it. That's you know?
1: cool. <laughs> nice. Have you guys ever done, or do you ever plan to do a demon night collection? So, um,
2: you know, with, uh the crypt keeper tales from the crypt stuff, uh and Demon Knight, Bordello Blood, those types of movies. Unfortunately, those being owned by Silver Pictures, that's a separate license. And we did have the rights to those at one point. Um, we were able to do it was like a limited collection that we did several years ago uh, with Fearnet, actually. Fearnet, okay. if you remember that yeah. uh, web yeah, yeah. And we had a limited uh rights and limited license for that. We wanted to expand the collection. We thought we could do a lot more with it. And basically they weren't, they didn't want to renew. They weren't really doing anything licensing wise at all. Mm -hmm. And then I, I'm not even kidding when I say I probably have a few hundred emails and phone calls to them about getting the rights back over the last few years. And it is literally like the door slamming my face each time. They just, they're not interested in merchandising. I don't know why they I've never been given a reason. And, and, whatever they don't have to but i as a fan not even as a person running a horror shirt business but as a fan i'm like but i i want cryptkeeper stuff you know what yeah, I mean? right um is, you know i
1: don't know if you saw but we have actually there was a recent uh change to some of the rights reverting back to the gains estates um, and we did a couple episodes where we looked at that and I talked to some uh, copyright lawyers and we kind of looked over the um, statement. And it's, it's not clear exactly, but we know there's been some movement. So hopefully that can lead to. I'll uh, have
2: to look into that because I feel like what they might, what they, what the Gaines estate might own might still be different in terms of the design. Of right. The, like the Cave um, and Yeager, you know, Crypt Keeper that we know and love. Yeah, wow. there's
1: still there's still a ton of unknowns, but at least there was, yeah. for the first time in like at least five, six, seven years, there was something that moved that changed. Well, that's me.
2: cool. That's good to know. And and it could be that one of the reasons why they didn't want to license it out because maybe there was some some gray area Deadline, there yeah. I, we were just never given a reason. So I have yeah. literally no idea whether or not they could even license out to us or they were just like nope, not interested or whatever. And I was like, okay, you know, um, no real reason was given, so that that could be why, but. We'll keep trying, you know, because if we can get through it and and do it, we'd love to. But again, we working with the Gaines Estate, um, we're very fortunate, you know, to have that connection and and they seem really cool. We actually have, um, speaking of hats, we do have an EC Comics hat that we haven't put out yet that is going to be in the summer collection. Um, It's more of the logo fan club type of look um, that that we just it didn't fit in the last collection that we did with. the shirt that you're wearing, the red Tales from the Crypt shirt and the, you know, Haunt of Fear and the Vault of Horror ones that we did, uh, I just felt we should hold off and we have a couple that are designs and that hat that we want to release hopefully this year. Nice. Very cool.
1: All right. Well, tonight we'll be discussing Tales from the Crypt episode Dead Weight, which premiered on July 3rd, 1991. Jody, give us a plot synopsis.
0: All right. So we open uh, with the Crypt Keeper in another fun costume. That's a, a theme this season is Crypt Keeper in costumes. He's a travel agent this time wearing a Hawaiian shirt and uh, trying to sell us on a trip, uh, which is appropriate because our story this time is set on a Caribbean island. I don't think they ever talk about which one, but it's, it's an island somewhere. That, that's all we know. And we open on a guy in a hotel. His name is Red, and uh, he's reading a book and playing with himself He's playing chess, okay? <laughs> yeah. He's playing chess, well, playing Cody. both sides. Real,
3: real fast, did you notice the book he's reading is a book of puzzles? Yeah. It's like a crossword puzzle book, and he's playing chess at the same time, which is just playing both sides. I just of
2: the thing he had going over his Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's a very sultry opening scene. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, uh, while he's deep. sitting there, uh, someone named Charlie comes in the room and Red pulls a gun on him, because obviously these guys are uh, up to something. Uh, Charlie's just he mentions he's tracking Duvall and he knows where Duvall is keeping the pearl and it's obvious these guys are going to steal it we don't know anything about it beyond that uh red wants a plane charlie wants a boat uh charlie insults red and says he's stupid so charlie shoots him and that's the end of uh or i'm sorry red shoots him and that's the end of charlie for this episode so then we go to a bar uh where red is uh, sitting there and the bartender points out who Duval is. Uh, Duvall is, he walks in with a woman and he's wearing the classic like island boss outfit of like a totally white suit and he's got a cane. Uh, he, red approaches him and introduces himself and asks if he can work on Duvall's plantation. Uh, his companion, whose name is Catherine, uh, comments about his red hair. You're going to hear lots of comments about his red hair. It's where the nickname comes from and it's it's very important to this story. It's very rare on this island. And uh, so Red tells Duvall, you know, I grew up on a farm. And uh, Deval has to see his hands to prove it, and he holds out his hands, and he's got soft, you know, inside boy hands uh, like most of us probably do. Money counting uh, hands. Yes, I mean, dude, uh, but, have, have
3: you seen my hands from jujitsu? They're pretty fucked up. Well,
0: yeah, well, yeah, from jujitsu <laughs> guitar. Y'all have, we all have guitar, and yeah. guitar Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we so there's nothing on Red's hands, but Deval's hands have all these like squirmy lines all over the back up. Um. Duvall mentions kind of in passing that there's a revolution happening on the island and people are leaving. And uh, then Duvall decides to hire Red to manage his plantation, the dude he just met in the bar who lied about working on a farm. Excellent. That, that's good HR skills. Uh, so they approach the plantation. And when they do, there's gunfire heard in the distance. And a woman named, uh, is it Pellegray? Peligray? I don't remember how they say her name in the episode. Yeah, that's I'm pretty honestly. close. Pellegray. Pellegray, Uh, she exits the house and uh, she was there cleansing the house uh, in a spiritual way. She's basically a voodoo priestess-ish, as she says. And uh, Pellegray leads Red to his quarters and uh, she explains the lines on the back of Duval's hands. He has something called water worms. There's a technical name for it, but I'm not going to try that. Um, And she also mentions that his red hair symbolizes life. When they enter the room, Red closes the door, finds a bloody ram's head behind the bed. Uh, Pellegray says it's there for protection but Red says take this away mm-hmm. he goes back to the main plantation to find Duval and sees the black pearl on display in this little d- display case uh, Duval makes sure Red doesn't touch it because it's going to set off the alarm bring the army coming uh, it's one of a kind and priceless and then Duval kind of makes an appeal to him says I want you to call me a meal I think we could be friends and because uh, it's John Reese Davis I am like yeah I'd be his friend. I'll <laughs> hang out with him all on this island. John Reese Davis is just one of those guys. It's like, I just, I'd like to hang around with him. I just, I just want to cuddle him. Yeah. The big a teddy nightmare. bear. Do you right, I, do uh, you,
3: does your wife listen to the podcast?
0: Um, not usually. <laughs> just, just wondering before. <laughs> um, it's, it's not an offense against me or anything. She's just not into horror. And she probably hears me talk enough. Let's just be honest. Yeah. All right, uh, so then Red walks outside of the uh, plantation, and he sees Catherine, and uh, just point out real quick, this entire story takes place over the course of, like, one night. This is a very fast-moving story. Mm -hmm. Uh, He sees her out on the porch. They flirt. He he says she shouldn't be with an old man, starts kissing her. Like, I guess they've known each other for about four hours at this point, maybe less. And uh, then... (laughs) Last episode uh, that we did of this show, we talked about how, you know, people really like, say, Tales from the Crypt. It's all about gore and nudity, but there's really not that much. So they have a really sweaty sex scene at this point. (laughs) Very sweaty. Yes, they do. Damp (laughs) and uncomfortable, but, you know, they seem like they're having a good time.
1: You can call it moist. Moist. Sure. I'm Um, sure everything in the Caribbean is moist to a degree.
0: Yeah. It's (laughs) very humid
2: in that room that night. Yes,
0: (laughs) extremely. Everyone is shiny. Let's just say that. And uh, they immediately plot together to start to steal the pearl together. Uh, so later, while Red's sleeping, he find, he wakes up to a bloody headless chicken flapping around in his bed, and he runs outside, and Pellegris is there, and uh, she said, you know, like, you have to leave that in there. Uh, Kath- you're being crazy. Catherine's dangerous. And uh, Red says, no, you're the crazy one for putting this headless chicken in my bed. And uh, so he goes back up to the main house. It's full of army people. Now they've been ordered to evacuate, but Duval just going to stay. And he says, Red, I want you to take care of Catherine on the convoy. That's taking us out of here. But they don't. They stay behind because they're in the middle of a plot and they go to steal the pearl. But the pearls already gone. Uh, Red goes to check and see. And uh, he sees Duval loading a sack of cash. Red says, given the pearl, Duvall says, but I can't lay my hands on it. He uses that phrase a couple of times. I can't lay my hands on it. Isn't getting Catherine enough. So Duvall knows what's up. I mean, it was on the porch. They'd been talking like 30 seconds earlier and they start making out on the porch. Of course, Duvall knows what's up. Uh, But then Red demands it again and shoots Duvall. And uh, he looks through Duvall's bag and the pearl isn't there, but there are some balloons in there. (laughs) And Red is smart enough to realize, oh, these balloons are there so that he could swallow the pearl And then he rips Deval's shirt open and his whole chest and stomach are covered with those worm tracks we saw on the back of his hands earlier. And then in what is probably the goriest scene of Tales from the Crypt that we have seen yet, he cuts into his stomach. And when he opens it up, his stomach cavity is full of worms, just worms and organs crawling all over the place. And Red reaches in. And he finds the pearl in Duval's intestines and pulls a big strip of intestines out and chops into them and gets the pearl out. And, you know, they're, they're having fun with their special effects in this episode. It's actually really great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but while he's getting the pearl out, Catherine grabs a gun and points it at him. She says to put down the pearl. Uh, but as she's threatening him, uh, Pellegray starts stabbing a voodoo doll and Catherine falls to the ground with a big bloody spot on her back where she's been psychically stabbed to death. Pelegray says Red needs her to escape, so they start escaping together. Uh, She asks, you know, why did you steal this pearl? Has it made you happy? And he thinks about it for a while and says, the the pearl means more than money. It also means respect, because I was the guy to get it. And she said, if I had red hair like yours, I would have respect. So she leads him through the jungle and ends up in her village and she mentions again that his spirit must be very special because of his red hair and then pulls out a machete when in one giant swipe chops his head off and the stump falls down directly into the camera and uh, she tosses the pearl away out into the grass and takes her prize back to the village that will earn her respect red's head full of red hair and then we have a little closing segment where the keeper interviews will be Goldberg I don't know why that happened. It was kind of amusing, but yeah, it just came out of nowhere. But that's it. That's our story.
3: Uh, all I know is that the Crypt Keeper would be the best late night talk show host. Like, we can get rid of Jimmy Kimmel. I'd watch it. All <laughs> the other guys. It. Like, give me uh, give me the Crypt Keeper and John Kassir.
1: I'm surprised they didn't try to do a spinoff
0: <laughs> of, uh, of Crypt Keeper time. interviews.
1: Yeah, that, that would have been great. Uh, ben, you're our guest. So why don't you start us off? What did you think of this episode?
2: So you know, I I loved Tales from the Crypt growing up, and uh, I didn't have HBO, so I could only watch it at my friend's house. So my viewings early on were limited. So I had never seen this particular episode, but I love the fact that James Remar is in it, and Mm -hmm. Woody Goldberg, and even Vanity, who was kind of a name at the time. um, And uh, seeing her boobs was a plus. But um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I felt it was, and again, it's I love Tales from the Crypt, and there's certain episodes that I can think of and go, "Oh my god, I love this episode." This one, it felt, and then you guys have been watching a lot of these, obviously, so may, correct me if I'm wrong, but this one felt really just like a filler to me in a season. It felt like very thin. Yeah, you had a couple stars in there, which was awesome. And the gore was great. And you did bring up a good point. Like, honestly, seeing him go into the intestines and seeing the worms, that was cool. And obviously, the decapitated head, that's always great. I'm always welcoming that. Um, I, I'm still confused, like, why do you really need to put the pearl in the balloon? You're just going to crap it out anyway. I mean, I get it. It's to keep
0: it clean, but, like, I mean, really? Like, it's <laughs> is it really doing any good? You know Maybe I mean? it's harder, to <laughs> f-
1: easier to find when well, I... It- works its way it,
0: up. I, I I have to uh, think though, I think Red probably did him a favor by killing him and cutting him out because that thing was like golf ball sized. He was gonna have a really bad job. <laughs> well, yeah, you're gonna have that's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be how
2: he swallowed it even. Well I, I
3: honestly wonder so it's kind of that thing if you watch um like uh, narcos or anything like that, they do that with uh, drug smugglers so they so their their body doesn't break it down. So maybe it's a thing or maybe the body's the bile but, in the stomach might break brutal. it down. Not, I don't know.
2: It's not like powder drugs or anything right. like that like it's a it's yeah. not going anywhere Solid you know, item. You know you yeah you have to clean some crap off of it like, <laughs> if you're already shipped you know going through your own crap to get it That's what's the balloon gonna do like you might as well just run it under a faucet you're good to go like i just at this point like i just don't get it but so i felt i have to say it wasn't memorable in that sense i mean you know like we said the steamy sex scenes whatever is fine and the gore is fine and all that and again having the star power is cool it's funny, I actually liked the um, post-credits or, or after the the show uh, with Whoopi Goldberg there as the late-night guest mm-hmm. for Keeper. It did really remind me of that time, 1991, because that was around the time, if you guys remember, they did the Horror Awards. And that was a thing that Robert Englund hosted. He hosted one right. year, he hosted both years. Uh, It felt like this weird convergence of main, like I I use the term loosely, like mainstream sort of things with horror. It's like when you watched Freddy's Nightmares on Friday night and you're like, I can watch Freddy on my TV on Friday nights at 11 Mm o'clock. Like that seemed to breach this wall that was only reserved for like him being in movies. So seeing Whoopi Goldberg interact with Cryptkeeper in like a real a real world situation as opposed to in a scripted show. I know that was scripted, but in almost feeling like at this late night TV setting felt very of the time for me. So it was very nostalgic for me. I actually, it really enjoyed that little bit, even though it was short. Cause it was different. It's not like yeah. he did it in every show.
1: Um, well, it's I, also I like, remind me, like, it. wasn't like Jason Voorhees came on Arsenio Hall. Yes
2: exactly i remember that night that he came out kane hodder came out in the party costume and he didn't talk obviously and you know Mm -hmm. he exactly that's what i'm talking about it's stuff like that where you started seeing it bleed into literally other parts of popular Mm -hmm. culture that as a kid you know i was 13 14 at the time going my mind is blown because it feels like what i love that only maybe a couple friends of mine like, is now being seen by everybody. And it was so, I mean, because it's pre-internet, it just felt Mm. weird. So this sort of, I don't want to say it was breaching the fourth wall, but it was definitely this adjacent thing to where you see Whoopi and Crypt Keeper interacting in this sort of, again, like real world, like she's literally being Whoopi Goldberg talking to this puppet. You're like, hey, that's neat. But the episode itself, I didn't hate. I just, I sort of kind of went, this felt really contrived like mm-hmm. you got hired that same night like it all literally takes yeah. place like 36 hours and I, I get it it's from it's from the comics you know but i was just like huh really that's what you got you know but i don't know anyway
0: yeah i don't think uh my kids are getting to the age that i can watch more horror with them and so like my daughter she's 12 and you know, I, I'm pushing what I consider acceptable. And we've already watched Friday the 13th, all of them. We've watched you know, a couple night on Elm Street, things like that.
2: That's my I don't
0: think a kid today, though, a 12-year-old, can understand how big these slashers got during that time. Like, in the late mm-hmm. 80s and the early 90s, they were icons. Like, even kids who had never seen a horror movie knew who Freddy Krueger was and knew who Jason well, I'm,
3: I mean, was. Well, I mean, look at Freddy, right? He was in comic books. He was in... And, and not like... He had comic books, right? But he was just in the ads for comic books. He had a nine hundred number where he told scary yeah. stories. He was yeah. on. There used to be a political like puppet uh, TV show back in the eighty what early nineties, late eighties. That Freddie was on. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was crazy uh, it, it, how much these characters were ingrained in the pop culture. Had, that I think I've I, I, mean, I, I have
2: it. He. I think the pinnacle because you're absolutely right. The pinnacle for me personally. He had a freaking talking. Doll. Yes. Now, yeah. Let us not forget this is a child molester. <laughs> a child <laughs> yeah. killer. And now he is in plush doll form that talks when you pull a string. To me, that is the and I know they downplayed the child molester yeah. part. Which is good. You well, know?
3: well I, right. I always wondered kind of if they never they're always very adamant on never always talking about killing, never talking about anything sexual, because maybe right. they maybe they actually thought that like if we have okay. something here this this part's not going to fly, or this part for some reason, like, oh, you killed him, that's cool, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: No, you're right, like, they definitely, I because I don't remember when they mentioned that originally, but you're right, they completely downplayed it, which was good, but they still, he was still considered a child killer.
0: Yeah. Pretty, yeah 100%.
2: So even as a child killer, you have this doll, this toy for a child that mm-hmm. and a, whole, a string to talk, and it's like this is so twisted. That's why I bought it. I still have it. It's in the case. Oh wow. no
3: way! Oh, awesome. Yeah, I
2: have one. It's pristine. It's it's the because it's the pinnacle of the '80s like craziness. Like yeah. let's take something that's
0: killing kids and let's make it a doll. Holy! Well, shit. I mean, <laughs> they, they did that all the time in the '80s though too, because they take like oh here's an R-rated movie, definitely not for kids. Let's make a cartoon series about this. Exactly. Let's make Robo robo cartoon. <laughs> I mean, yes.
1: I mean, Paul Verhoeven cartoon.
3: I mean, the Crypt Keeper was a cartoon. Like,
1: I was just gonna say, yeah, it yeah, was a cartoon. What's well, interesting because this uh, episode is directed by Toby Hooper, who mm-hmm. directed the first episode of Freddy's Nightmares, the uh, No More Mister Nice Guy. Um, the the the, un, the I don't know if it's unofficial, official, canon, whatever uh, oh, origin, origin story of how Freddy. Like, I think it shows his trial and how that was mishandled. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, it's it's all kind of bringing it back
3: I, I had the vhs the vhs tape of that that i bought for way too much money <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you can now find it online yes um so yeah so to, this is directed by toby hooper they did both the first two texas chainsaws funhouse salem's lot poltergeist life force invaders from mars on and on and on just a real powerhouse of a director um and again this was right between this came out right, right after ghost came out for whoopi goldberg and right before sister act so this is but Reyes. She's or right or a fan
2: year, man. This is Pink Whoopi. Yeah, Pink Whoopi.
1: Pink Whoopi, and she actually she actually had a show. I think like Tales from the Whoop. At least that's on our IMDb page. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm familiar with this. <laughs> that? Must be short. Sure <laughs> I think she must have been a big a big fan because she also pops up like in Bordello of Blood. Um, yeah. I've I mean, like I need, I need, We need to figure out
0: cameo too. Yeah.
1: Like a really non sequitur moment. So we need to, well, yeah, we need to get into that. Um, John Rhys-Davies as Duvall. He's always a joy. He's always just so charismatic. Mm-hmm. He's like in Indiana Jones, uh, Lord, of the, uh, Lord of the Rings. He was wax Waxwork, which I, I mm-hmm. enjoyed oh, yeah. I haven't yeah. seen a long Waxwork is, so
3: Waxwork is, yeah. it's, a, a, fun a, it's a fun one. Fun it's a gem of the 80s for sure or 90s it's a cool,
2: that's a cool ensemble cast too where mm-hmm. it's like these yeah. almost seemingly random people thrown together and you're like oh i know him from that and i know her from mm-hmm. that it's, it's so it's i love that
1: it's so cool. that, i didn't notice but Jeremy Stavies davies also did a voice on gargoyles the cartoon oh that's cool and that show's kind of making a little bit of a comeback
0: mm-hmm. um there's
1: some figures from gargoyles. yeah from that uh, Vanity is played. Uh, sorry, Catherine is played by a model actress singer named Vanity, who was like a protege of per, uh, Prince at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was on. Ter- she was in Terror Train, and she was also on Friday the Thirteenth, the series. Really stole
2: Terror Train. She was one of the. Yeah. Oh my god! I guess I didn't realize that. But...
1: Um, and then James Remar, he has like he almost has three hundred IMDb credits. It's huge. <laughs> He was in Warriors, uh, 48 Hours, Tales of the Dark Side, the movie, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Um, he was the cop in Psycho, oh. the remake, that uh, pulls her over and has, like, the big glasses and everything. Um, he was the in Hellraiser Inferno, and it was uh, Dexter's dad in the Dexter TV sh- oh, wow. series. So, uh, yeah, I'll jump off what you were saying. It's The plot in this is kind of so so There's an episode a lot like this, like I'm thinking of, called Till Death. Which also takes place in the Caribbean setting and also has voodoo and has a, a, a wealthy white guy kind of taking having relations with you know a local woman. Um, so there's a lot of similarities. I think this one's actually a lot better than that episode. Um, it's not still not great because everything's really telegraphed. You just kind of know where everything's going. But the, the casting is great. I don't think you could get a better cast than this. And everyone's acting really really understanding the part that they're acting. And the directing's good and yeah that that worm scene it was just it made me squirm so much <laughs> um yeah it's definitely the most gross out thing i think we've seen and for the second episode in the row we had a really good severed head yes so uh, i i can't go you can't go wrong with a good severed severed head scene and also Whoopi goldberg with a machete was just awesome <laughs> <laughs> i'll agree with that um, but yeah overall the plot itself was okay um But it, it was fun. It, it was still fun to watch.
2: I do wonder what the purpose was of making the John Reese Davis character like with worms and all that stuff. Like I did, I, it felt a little un. I mean, maybe I missed something, but it felt a little unexplained to me. Where I'm like, why? Why? Like, well, I, yeah. I feel like it had to be there just for that gag,
0: just for the gross yeah. gag. It's, it's like, like why
2: was he filled? How could he live with filled with worms? Like, was I
0: was no <laughs> all these questions where I was like. His body Why? was an empty husk filled with so, worms and guts. There was no blood th- in his body
1: at all. I thought that was going to be the kind of ending twist. Right. That James yeah. R. was going to get away. He was going to get on the boat, whatever. He was going to look down, and then you would see like worms crawling up his arm. He's like, oh no, I've got yeah, the worms. That would have made
2: more sense to me. Like, oh, it passed on to him or whatever. Yeah. Like, it was a with something, but they never went back to it. And you're like, yeah. but. but
3: yeah, Why? and Vanity even brought that up like, be careful touching them, or you might get them too. I was like, okay, this is where we're going, and then they kind of just yeah. didn't do anything with it. And yeah,
1: yeah, it's weird. But you knew, but you knew whoopi was gonna, you know, get him for the hair, and yeah, because you just kept talking about the hair, you knew the hair was also awesome, uh, was gonna come into it. <laughs> he <laughs> likes those gingers, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mondo, what did you think of this episode? Uh, I-,
3: I liked it, but much like uh, Ben said, it was we just got off this like streak of some of the best episodes in the entire series. This felt like a little bit of a let-, let down. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a great solid episode, but man, like I've been giving out a lot of fives and four and a half lately. And this just felt like a disappointment when I compare them to those. Um, yeah. the, the, the story was solid, but overall, um, one thing I kind of look at the older I get at the end of a movie or a TV show, or again, I'm a wrestling nerd or wrestling match. I base it on how much fun did I just have? Did I enjoy it? Did I find myself looking at my watch to figure out when this episode is going to end? And I was looking at my watch a couple times because I felt they dragged a lot of stuff out. Like it wasn't, uh, granted, for a, for a show that fit or an episode that fit what uh, did the whole like weeks with a story in one day, technically. Right. Um, it still felt like it dragged in parts. Uh, I thought the acting was fantastic. Um, I really enjoyed the score on it. Uh, the gore effects, uh, great. The like like Jody said, that intestine scene just uh mm-hmm. just good. And the the, the fun severed the way he head. folded very... over
2: the blade to like cut through. Yeah. Uh, like, feel that. And I was like,
3: "Damn, that's that's legit." <laughs> oh man! And, and you know, like looking at a critical eye, they put some work into those effects, like with the worms and the intestines and the cadaver. Mm-hmm. I imagine they had a great time making those props, and, and, and that was a lot of the cool stuff. But and I will say, the wraparound it was one of my favorite wraparounds ever. Oh, so good! I, I love, uh, I love the Cryptkeeper mispronouncing the words and the way you know the way he always does, and Whoopi Goldberg just dryly correcting him. And he looks at <laughs> her, and he's like. Yeah okay, <laughs> uh, so I thought that was awesome, and man, can, who doesn't love the Crypt Keeper in a suit? Yeah, it's just it just, anytime. it it fits for him. He should really up his wardrobe game because man, he, he he looks good in a suit. <laughs> uh, so yeah, well, with all of his issues, it is definitely an enjoyable episode, but I think it's definitely a drop off from what we've what we've watched uh, so far this series. But still, I think a uh, very a very solid Tales of the Crypt episode. Um, also, at the beginning or towards the middle when they're sitting at the table and the first time he meets. Um, the general and Vanity. Um, I don't know what she's doing to that cigar, but. Yeah. Uh,
2: <laughs> as a but, cigar smoker, I took offense to that. Okay. I was like, what are you doing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I like a good cigar. Give. You're messing up the rotation.
3: I mean, I enjoyed it, but. Uh, <laughs> well,
2: okay.
0: But as, as
3: as a guy who likes a good cigar, now and again. I've never done that. And if I did, I would start an OnlyFans page and charge $10. Uh, so.
0: <laughs>
2: no, I, I agree with you on that one. It's a good point because I saw that too. And I do love cigars. And I was like, what, what What's happening right now?
3: I was actually surprised when she lit it and gave it to him. Cause I just thought they were just going to go the whole, like, Oh, they're just going into this right now. Because all I could think about was like, what the fuck is she doing? <laughs> Again, <laughs> I'm okay with it, uh, but yeah. Overall, uh, solid episode. So
2: it's equally offended and aroused. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> as is often the
1: case.
3: <laughs> it, it reminds me of the uh, what is it? Uh, the Futurama episode, uh, <laughs> Death by Snoo Stew yeah, yeah. <laughs> yay but oh but yay it's okay uh yeah overall <laughs> a solid episode Drop pr- probably the, the weakest one of the season so far um but 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 definitely you know I, I think it's worth the watch
1: you'd put this below um that love at first sight episode oh wait no yeah. no
3: no no you're right uh you're right i I'm, mean I'm, i've been but the last you've been so good so yeah i know I, I i try to to wipe love at first sight out of my memory so it's, uh, de- yeah. it's definitely above that it's a solid episode
1: yeah
0: jody yeah. so, what do you think uh, this is somehow less than its parts because like yeah. every part of it is really good like the cast really good the setting like the the caribbean setting where they've got it and the the you know the special effects and the gore and everything that goes into it is great and at the end it's kind of okay like it's it's not terrible but it's just Kind of okay and i really think the weak point probably is the story which is not usually the case uh usually the ec comics story is you know something they can do a lot with but you know they like his red hair so they cut his head off is yeah, okay it's not a huge twist especially since it's so telegraphed by saying about 300 times like yeah. your hair your hair your hair your hair oh they're gonna do something to his hair he's gonna die because of his hair in some way um, so yeah, it's, it's one of those that should work better than it does, but it's, it's fine. Like I, de- I again, I didn't hate it. Um, but it's not going to, I probably won't remember it in a few weeks other than that. We've talked about it here. Uh, it's, it's just kind of fine.
3: <laughs> did, did it make anybody else think that the Godfather missed a uh, great opportunity to use a severed uh, a, a, a headless chicken instead of a horse head.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: <laughs> Or, or, or they could have had a severed uh horse head and a uh, and a, goat. a chicken. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: have, have, the, have the horse head. That'd
1: be really up confusing. To the wall.
2: Yeah. Honestly, at first I didn't know what the hell it was. I thought it was some moving blooming onion or something in the I was <laughs> yeah. like, what, yeah. "How <laughs> is that thing?" I'm like, I had no clue.
1: I was like, I thought it was going to be like a zombie or something was going to pop out, it was going to have like a dream yeah. sequence. That's what I was expecting.
2: I but. I liked we and I know Tales from the Crypt episodes generally aren't usually uh, huge in scale, but I actually liked the intimate quality of it. It felt—I um, don't know—it just felt like it was. I don't want to say low budget, but it felt like a very DIY. And I don't know if that makes any sense, but like mm-hmm. because the sets were so pretty, you know, uh, sparse. You know, they were in basically one house or whatever for the entire thing. I know there was the bar scene and, and the hotel room, but it—it it felt very intimate. I don't know for whatever reason that appealed to me. I don't know, because it almost felt like something that I could go do, you know what I mean? But um, obviously the cast was amazing and the effects were amazing, but I just mean in general, I kind of liked the intimate feeling of it. But like you said, like we all said, like the story just kind of fell flat where it was like, oh, this could have been something cooler where it was a better twist or something about it. Could have just hooked me better? And Tales in the Crypt episodes have done that before for me, where I'm like, oh, that payoff was so great. Yeah. And I didn't get it here. And I was just sort of like, oh, oh, that really? That was it? Uh I didn't feel like I was led down the path to see that. I thought it was gonna go somewhere else.
0: Well, one I, thing I interesting- remember thinking of th- about 20 minutes in, like, man, I hope the twist really likes pulls this one around. Mm-hmm. But it didn't.
3: <laughs> well, one thing interesting too is like you look at Toby Hooper, right? And he when he did Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original he kind of thought he was making a black comedy. And man, the perfect setting for a black comedy is a Tales from the Crypt universe, and he probably made a really and he made one of the more straightforward horror episodes when yeah. this like should have been his canvas to let these actors just ham it up and make that black comedy. Um like I mean, more more in the vein of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Uh I'd
0: say this is after TCM2, yeah. so he really yeah. could he knows how to go over the top. Yeah.
3: Yeah,
1: so that's yeah. I will. I think part of it is just he's just kind of inserted into the Tales of the Crypt machine at this point. And they already have the script, and like I'm sure the directors are able to do a little bit change up. But I guess, I think he they already had the script and everything worked out, and he just wanted to more focus on the effects and really getting those payoffs.
2: They were probably on a very tight budget and a tight mm-hmm. timeline. It was yeah. probably like you have to come in here for you know, whatever four five, days, five is, days, yeah, and this is what you got to do. and it's it's a job that you're hired on. You probably didn't have a lot of creative. Cool, yeah. I would imagine. I don't know.
1: Um, but you did talk about like the scope of it, and it's fu- again, it's funny because we talked about in the other episode that this reminded me of Till Death, that also took place in a very similar setting. That one looked like it was shot in someone's backyard, but this mm-hmm. one, at least, you could tell it was a little bit of a step up. Where yeah. it wasn't like grand vistas, but at least like at least there was that cool shot at the end where they're kind of going through the jungle. You could see down the hill into like what looked like a village like that that that,
2: production value for sure that
1: was definitely a little bit more production value than we've seen in other the other similar Mm -hmm. episode but um yeah especially like this cast was very small like there's a couple bit parts there's that guy charlie or whoever in the beginning but it was pretty much just the four main characters will be goldberg just kind of like shows up randomly too so that's like a major part uh, until the very end
2: that's the thing. Like, I think of another episode, I, I don't – you guys will know more than I will. I don't remember what season it was, but, like, Cutting Cards was always one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh,
3: yeah, yeah, one of the and
2: best. And and that other guy. And, again, that is a wicked small cast. And I know they go to a couple different places where you might see some exterior shots. But most of the time, they're, they're together. It's just those two, and they're playing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, but think of the suspense that that builds. Think of, like, the path that you go down, and you're like, oh, my God, where is this going to end? I can think about that episode in my mind and go, you're just it's like a roller coaster and you're waiting for that final drop. And, you know, that end scene and what they do and you're like, brilliant, you know, Mm -hmm. whereas this in a similar fashion, we have a great cast, like we said, great effects. And it's like a smaller scope. You're like, and uh, oh, okay, that really just fell flat.
3: Yeah I, I think even at the end, when she's walking him towards her, her village, which they never, never talk about, that was a great moment they could have expanded upon like where her roots are at and, and kind of maybe turn that into a little bit more of the story and maybe cut out some of the stuff in the middle.
0: I do have one question about Red's character, because throughout the whole thing, we see him like reading puzzles and like strategies, playing chess. But every time he comes up in a situation, he just shoots the other person. Like, well, I, I, he's not like some <laughs> strategist who's like, ah, "I have this perfect plan." He's like, oh. "Well, I, I think that's kind he just of a shoots him and digs through his guts."
3: I mean, think a yes. that's, that's kind of part of the story because the guy asks him right away, like, "Oh, you're I peg you for a chess player," and it's almost kind of insulting him in a way when you watch a whole episode saying that, "Oh, you think you're so smart because you do sure. this and you do this and this, but you're not as smart as you think you are, and I'm going to outweigh you." Which he really doesn't outwit him because he ends up dead too. Uh, But
2: (laughs) they set, they have things that they potentially set up, and they Mm. never follow through. Except for his red hair, right? Like it's literally the only thing they set up that they follow through on. Everything else is almost like a red herring. Yeah, well, okay, like you said, puzzle thing, the chest thing that could have been something to tease out more, or the fact that he's got some weird stuff on his arms and worms inside his body. But let's not deal with any of that. Why he's got (laughs) living worms inside his body, let's just go back to the fact that he's a ginger
0: like, what the hell? Like, I
2: don't, I'm actually getting more pissed off than what I think. Like, no offense,
3: but if I saw one of you guys, (laughs) we shook hands and your
1: hand looked like that, I'd be like, oh, yeah, we need to like. Get you to an ER now. <laughs> so okay, so this is what I thought was going to happen. As I, as I was like kind of rewriting the episode in my head, I thought that um, the red hair was going to be the cure for the water worms, and that this mm. whole thing was a big ploy to lure this ginger guy oh. to Duval. Yes, that's and then, it's
2: already way brilliant, more dude, than what we just watched. The twist.
1: I would have been fine. With. The, the my rating is going
3: down and down and down. The more we talk
1: about this, damn. Yeah. <laughs> So I thought, yeah, the twist of the animal is gonna be. It was like they were playing a game of chess to lure his one piece or whatever See, into the den. Yeah, there you yeah. go.
2: That is brilliant because you're absolutely right. They like, he was the one trying to get the pearl, but they actually lured him in. Yeah. See, I already like that episode a million times better. Just exactly what you just said. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> or, or, or even just if you did, if you played the contrast versus the logical puzzle brain versus the uh, uh, the religion of voodoo. Or I, I think I'm, I'm going to assume it was voodoo they're talking about. Obviously with the with the voodoo doll, um, that would have been even better. Like just pacing, like he can't accept that voodoo is real, and there's Whoopi Goldberg basically using voodoo to
1: take care of all of her adversaries. Yeah, uh, Jody, why don't you give us the comic comparison?
0: Okay, so uh, this came from Vault of Horror number 23, which was February-March issue of 1952. It was written by uh, the big guys here. This was a Bill Gaines and Al Feldstein uh, story. So they're they're the guys who run all of EC Comics. uh, Art by Jack Davis. So Jack Davis is one of the big guys at EC. Uh, But it's basically just a tamer version of this same story. Like, they didn't really do a whole lot different in the story, other than they just spiced it up. So uh, in the original comic, there's no girl, there's no wife, obviously no sex scene, no headless animals. Uh, <laughs> the Pearl is in a, in a safe instead of digging it out of Duvall's guts. And so all of this was stuff added in the show, like all the
1: gore, well, the all, worms. The,
0: all the puzzle stuff, all the worms. None of that was in the original comic. It was literally just guy shows up, gets a job, Shoots uh, the guy who's working for, and then he gets his head chopped off because he has red hair. So all the spice, like everything we liked about this episode, uh, came from the episode itself. Uh, the only thing that's the in the comic too. Uh, this is a 1952 comic dealing with uh, people who live on a Caribbean island. There is some unfortunate stereotyping going on because 1952. Um, but in the end, cause, uh, in, instead of, uh, uh, the character's name is Cuckoo and he's drawn, uh, you know, in some ways that have kind of that casual racism of the 1950s in there, but he does kind of twist it around at the end. So the whole time he's very deferent and uses terms like massa and stuff like that, you know, real, you know, garden variety, fifties racism. But at the end, he gets the, the drop on red and cuts his head off. And so he's been playing him the whole time. So I think maybe they were going for that is like he seems like he's like being a servant, but he's actually plotting against him. I don't know. I do know that EC Comics tended to be really progressive uh, in a lot of ways. And there were a lot of stories about racism directly that condemned racists. And so I want to give them a little bit of uh, the, uh, you know, A little bit of grace here uh even with some of the stuff that was there it was very common for the era uh but i i will say jason did you look at this one uh
1: i looked at very briefly i didn't have much time
0: yeah so there's there's that drawing but red's face is this like great he's he's like hideous he he looks like the crypt keeper himself it's all gaunt and drawn out just jack davis illustrations so i don't know why red looked like that but uh it was cool to look at
1: so did the uh character at the end did he was he did he chop off his head for the hair or for the yes. pearl for the head for the hair oh, okay so one of the hair okay that was, still there. Yeah. So the the pearl the was still
2: there the they wanted. he wanted the pearl but um in this case the guy wanted the hair still
1: so. right still seems like a really convoluted way to chop off someone's head
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: it's it's
0: one of those that they added a lot to it. If they had just played it like it was in the comic, this would be a really boring episode. Mm -hmm. But if they're going to stick with the story, they were kind of confined because I think the story itself is just kind of weak in this one.
2: But it's then, but then it's like, well then again, it goes back to like, then why did you make the guy have worms inside of him? Like I just, I I understand the woman out, like the vanity element, you spice it up a little bit. I kind of get that. There's a little bit of a, Oh, she turned heel on him or whatever. I get it. But why make John Ray Davies' character? I'm I'm sorry. I'm like like, I feel cheated because if that wasn't even elaborated on in the comic where they had to cut it for time, right? Why the hell was that even in there? I just, really I really think, think at some he point he the pearl and he ripped him open. Fine. No worries. But like, why give him this affliction with worms? Like, I don't understand. This is
0: uh, I well, really feel like somebody in the special effects department was like, you know, it'd be cool if we cut up a body. It was full of worms. And they were like, okay, sure. We'll write it in. Like, it, I, I can't think of any reason it, beyond that shot.
3: It reminds you of when Kevin Smith was talking about when, uh, I forgot he's doing work with and the guy just kept saying it has to have a giant spider. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. it has to have worms
1: okay I like what you do
2: it and love it at the same time like I yeah I don't know what to think
1: about it I mean it made for like it said a really squeamish moment so it made no sense but still had an effect so it is what it is yeah um <laughs> uh, all right let's move on to our rankings uh Ben well. So we do a scale of 1 to 5. We can do half points, 5 being masterpiece, 1 being or 0.5 being not good. <laughs> to be kind.
2: I'm going to have to go with a 2.5 on this one. I think, okay. again, cast you know, like we said, gore, all those things, you know, but uh, I think, Jody, you set it up perfectly where the sum was less than the parts. You know, mm-hmm. it had all these great parts, but... Altogether, together it fell flat for me. So I think two and a half is going to be where I'm sitting at with it.
1: That's that's interesting. Cause usually we have the opposite where the, the sum, the sums make for a better episode and they yeah, are right. I don't know what's missing in this one. Jody, what do you rate the episode?
0: Yeah. I'm thinking story wise. I'm, I'm also with like, cause right to 2.5 is right in the middle, but there were just some cool moments and effects that pushed it up just a touch for me. So I'm going to go with a three. Hmm.
3: Mondo. So I was at three until we started really discussing it, and I'm like, ah, oh, <laughs> I dislike this one. I-, I was gonna go two, but then I'm like, yeah. And then Jody talked about the special effects. I'm like, you're right. It's got to be at least a little bit more. So I'm gonna go with Ben as well and say two and a half. It's not a bad episode. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I-, I think people hear two and a half and they think, oh, it's terrible. No, no, it's not bad. It's just I, I wouldn't go out of your way to see it, but if you watch it, I don't think you'd be upset. I think you'd be like, yeah. It's a middle of the road episode, so two and yeah, a half is no, about if, right.
0: If this was a grade, we're not talking about an F here. We're not talking about getting no. a fifty. This is a C. No, it's yeah, much, much worse.
3: You, you you did the you you did the essay. You had to get three pages in. You had double spaced it. Like I get it. You had to get three pages in, but
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was exactly five hundred words. Exactly you know, right. <laughs> You're passing, but you know you're not. You're not with honors here.
1: You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with the three, and I uh, agree with pretty much everything we've said. It's just that, that squeamishness. I haven't had that in Delta Crypt up to this yeah. point, so that just I'll give it the extra bump just for that. And you know, great cast.
0: I, I really do love though that last week we were like, you know, people have this reputation that tells from the Crypt is full of gore and sex. And uh, it's really not true. And then we watched this episode like, oh,
1: gore. Oh, yeah, it's like, like, gore yeah, there we go. Tulsa and Crypt was sex. like, hold, hold my beer. Oh, let me <laughs> get on this. <laughs> I I'm was a-
2: actually surprised at the sex. I, I don't know. I'm trying to remember any other episode of Tales from the Crypt that I've seen that had. Because honestly, I was sitting there watching it going, wait a minute. are they? Oh, they kind of did show some. Yeah, yeah you get, you yeah, get yeah, that eventually. I not- know it was HBO, so they could have. But I it was still a little... Um,
0: surprised at it you know yeah. like oh okay mm-hmm. there, there's been some casual nudity in an occasional episode but i i mean this was a full-out sex scene it was i mean in, very in, na- sweaty in
3: 1991 that cigar scene might have been the closest thing to fellatio you ever seen on screen at that point
1: so <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> before we wrap up ben we, we never got a chance to ask you about uh your Tales of the crypt fandom what are your favorite episodes
2: oh man so Cutting Cars is one of them. I always forget the titles. Uh, the one with uh, William Hickey where he switches the body with Rick Rossovich. Um, oh uh, yes. I can't remember who else was in it. Um, but uh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he sells William, off the body, like part uh, of the time. No, uh, no okay. body parts to get younger. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're talking yeah, about the switch. I love that. you talking about the switch. The switch. The switch. Yeah. 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 And uh, obviously, the one with Demi Moore is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh what's his name oh god i can't remember his jeffrey name. tamborn jeffrey tam oh my god and the way yeah. he is so freaking gross mm-hmm. uh i just love that one i'm trying to think of other ones that i've seen that i really liked it's that stood those three stood out to me i think i watched those three a lot they I, I remember having a tape and again i didn't have hbo growing up so i'd be at my friend's house watching them whenever i could and i'd also have my friends tape them for me at times um but they had I don't want to say it was a movie, but they had I think those three episodes in like uh, encapsulated in sort of like a almost like a feature length thing.
0: Yeah, one uh, of the one of the VHS tapes up on my wall is a collected like four episodes of Tales from the Crypt okay. around a theme. Like they'll be like, oh, these are all mystery oh, ones or okay. things like that. So they definitely did that in some of the later. Because I had like a tape. Uh, uh, it was a, a recorded like I recorded it off the TV, but it was
2: it was a tape that had it was almost like they throw put those three back to back, but I remember watching those three like the most. I mean, again, I, I, I actually have the, the, all the, the seven seasons on DVD. So, right. um, but, um, in terms of like growing up, my exposure was, you know, if I was at my friend's house, what was it on Saturday nights at like what, nine or 10 o'clock. I can't remember what time it came on, but whatever. Um, if we were around, yeah, we'd be totally throw it on. And I have fond memories of it being on at my friend's house, but, uh, and having him tape me episodes like, dude, tape me Tales from the Crypt so I can watch it or <laughs> that's something. Awesome. But uh, those episodes stand out to me. But they were they are also, I just think, really solid ones because when I've ever I've yeah. watched again some other ones where I've seen where I'm like like, oh man, that doesn't that's not as good as like this other one that I've seen, like again, like cutting cards or the switch or right. something like
0: that. Yeah, I, I I was also part of the generation that grew up without like the premium cable and so when i went to my friend's house i remember staying up till like two in the morning just watching like there's movies on all night long <laughs> can't stop watching <laughs> i haven't slept all night but i did watch night of the demons one and two tonight so this has been a good night
3: <laughs> man this is a great night
1: <laughs> all right mondo uh give us the song of the day
0: all
3: righty so uh there is a man by the name of nurgle that's not his real name. That's his his stage name. Um, uh, he's 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 famous for having the band uh, Behemoth, a uh, Polish death slash black metal band. And um, he, he's gone through a lot of shit in his life. From having, I think he had cancer at one point that he's beaten. Um, he, I think he just last year he beat a trial in Poland over blasphemy from stage from an incident in the two thousand early two thousands where he tore a Bible up on stage. So they brought him up on blasphemy charges in Poland. And I think he actually got convicted of, uh, of uh, I forgot how they called it, like, offending the religious the religious people. They actually convicted of it, and he appealed it and went upon the Supreme Court of Poland. And they let him off only because they said, eh, it's too long ago. It's been 14 years. We can't convict you on this anymore. So uh, if anyone wants to know, like, some country that don't have freedom of religion, there you go. Um, you can still get convicted of blasphemy in Poland or offending religious people if you do anything that could be considered uh, not kosher. Uh, but uh, <laughs> early behemoth <laughs> Sorry. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate that. Uh, but uh, uh, Early Behemoth uh, was at uh, some, uh, some really good black metal. And he was writing this shit when he was like 14 and 15, 16, 17. And they came out in like 94, 95 with their first handful of albums. I love their first handful of albums and they went on the streak where they did this, this weird kind of like death metal stuff I didn't love. Uh, and then what's funny is they released a record, uh, I think in 2018, called like I Love You at My Darkness, something like that, uh, that I really enjoyed. But in between then, he started this band called Me and That Man, which is a country folk band. <laughs> and I honestly think it's some of the best work he's ever done in his career. Just very honest. like You know when you can feel an artist is making music, and it's really from the heart. And they're really doing something they really, truly love. And it felt really, really strong like that. Uh, The first record they did was called Songs of Love and Death. And they've released two albums since then, and the names Escape Me. It's something like uh, New Shit, Same Man, or something like that. Uh, But uh, the song I want to highlight is off the album Songs of Love and Death, which came out in 2017, I believe. It's called Voodoo Queen, which is very apropos for this episode. So um, it's not metal. It's a uh, country folk music done by a metal singer, and it's—I think it's one of my probably favorite records of the past five six years.
1: Nice, nice. And uh, you can also find all these songs that Mondo talks about on Spotify.
3: Yeah, I'm behind by a few weeks on updating that list because I just—I don't have a Spotify premium account, and none of my friends want to add me on as a family member. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> okay. we, we gotta talk. <laughs> I'm an Apple Music guy. I'm sorry. I should make one an Apple Music too. I guess I could do that as well for my my, my friends out there with Apple devices. Uh, but uh, no, Spotify is actually great. It's, I have so much stuff on Apple Music that I just have to deal with figuring out how to transfer all that over. And it's just, once you're in one ecosystem, you're kind of fucked. That's how yeah. technology
1: works. Yeah. Uh, all right. Jody, hit us with your trivia. All
0: right. I didn't have any great trivia this time uh, to start with, but uh, I did notice in the, uh, Moment that they get to the uh, plantation and there's gunfire in the background, you do hear a Willem scream, but you don't know if that, what that is. You hear it all the time without even realizing it's that little ah, ah type scream. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's from a movie can where you, guys, you're not going to do it again. It was a one time. Uh, <laughs> but you'll round exactly it. like that. I mean, not, I don't know.
3: Hey, for next week, send in your best Willem scream and we'll. Uh, sure, uh, go for it. it.
0: <laughs> Yeah. Well, Jason, you can get your kids to do it. They've, they've done the crypt keeper laugh. And so now they can do the, uh, Willem scream. Uh, but yeah, you've heard it a million times. Uh, it was from an old movie, I think in the forties where a man's getting eaten by an alligator and he has this kind of iconic scream and they use it all the time. It's almost like an end joke and you see it. Some, sometimes it's fun. Sometimes they throw it in, in the middle of a very serious, like battle scene. And you're like, well, that kind of pulled me out of everything. Cause I'm so aware of that. But, uh, also, uh, this episode was written by friend of the show, Alan Katz. Uh, I think Jason said this was the first script he ever wrote. Is that right?
1: No. Well, it's the first time in Tells in the Crypt that him oh. and Gilbert are credited uh, as the writers. So I, I was looking at this. Uh, he obviously, him and Gilbert Adler came on uh, for the third season. And every episode you see Gil Adler as the producer, and then in the after credits, you see Alan Katz as story editor. But this is the first episode uh, that we've seen with both Gil Adler and uh, Alan Katz credited for the screenplay.
0: Yes, and so, uh, yeah. they went on to do uh, Bordello of Blood and uh, a lot of other stuff together. yeah Many so. more
1: episodes, many, many more. So all right. Thank you, Judah. There's some movie I'm trying to remember what it is where they have a Wilhelm screen follow like it's a comedy and they're they're spoofing the Wilhelm screen. They have like they do it like three times in a row where three different people get shot or something like that. And I, I know same. what you're talking about, but I have no idea what it I is. I cannot remember off the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> I, I
3: personally feel like you're just making that up. That does not sound real.
1: No, it's it's real. <laughs> it's real. All right. Well, as we, uh, come to the end, Ben, you're our guest. So, uh, we have our dad advice section and, uh, I believe you're a father, uh, yep. as you've mentioned, um, what advice, silly, fun, practical, with of both would you like to give?
2: Oh my God. That's, uh, okay. Um, wow. Dad advice. I, I think, I mean, I guess it's not necessarily silly or whatever, but, uh, you know, I was talking to my son the other day and I realized like, you know, sometimes it's just cool to just be completely open and real with your kid. Like just, just say it the way, you know, like we were talking about certain things. And I, I remember thinking back to my dad and, and you know, we would talk once in a while, but it never really, not until I got older at least, that we had a communication where it was just like guy to guy. You know, I think mm-hmm. when I was younger, like my son's 12 so when I was that age, I never had that kind of conversation with my dad, like anything about anything, like whether it was girls or drugs or whatever. I remember when I got a little older and we started having those kind of conversations, my late teens, early 20s, I was like, I saw my dad in an entirely different light than I did when I was a kid. Um, and I guess for myself, I'm trying to be more of that when, they're, when he's younger mm-hmm. um, to where it's like, look, I get it. Like, you're going to do some stupid shit. You're probably going to do this. You're probably going to do that. Like, I'm not going to be like, you can never do that. Like, whatever. You're going to do it. You know what I mean? Whether it's, like, drug-related or girl-related, or whatever it ends up being. It's like, you're probably going to do some stupid shit. But, you know, try to think about what you're doing when you're doing it and try to make the right decisions while you're doing it. As opposed to saying... You will never do this. You will never do that. And if I ever catch you, you're screwed or whatever. No, like we all remember what it was like to be a kid and the stupid shit that we did. And I would try to hide it from my parents. And I would just wish that he's still going to do those things, but I wish he'd be a little more open with me about when he does them. And and I told him, I said, you know, we were talking about certain things. I'm like, I'm not going to get mad at you. I, I'd rather you tell me and we talk about it than. Than you hiding it from me, that's going to make me more upset. So I guess just being real with your kid and and leveling with them on their level and not trying to be always the authoritarian on things, you know, Mm -hmm. it
3: it reminds me, I told my daughter the same thing, right? Like, cause I still remember my mom telling me when I was younger, like, if you ever go out to a party or something and you drink too much, just call me, I'll come pick you up. Then I did that and she screamed at me for 15 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so i just hung up and stayed the night wherever i was at and i told that story to my kid i was like hey this is what my parents did to me i promise you if you call me at four in the morning and you need a ride home because the ride you got there they drank or you drank i said i'll come pick you up i'm not gonna pretend like i'm gonna love you out of bed at four in the morning but i'm i'm gonna be happy that you made the right choice and we got you home safe and uh, i think that's really important like you said to be real with your kids and be like dude like I was a kid, I know I told my parents I don't you're gonna tell me, but I promise you i'm 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 not gonna get mad if you need something or you need help or whatever. It's very yeah
2: good. I used to it's funny because i I had I used to talk to my I mean my parents are still together I've been together for fifty six years now oh wow and, wow uh, I remember I was youngest of four, but I used to talk to my mom a lot and it was funny I remember my friends it was to a point where like my friends would like to hang out with like my parents and, and like my mom and stuff. Like he didn't mind if we smoked or whatever. So like we're literally sitting there in my my kitchen at like eleven thirty night having coffee and cigarettes with my mom at like when we were like juniors and seniors in high school, right? And I remember driving around with my buddies in my senior year of high school and we didn't know what we were doing. We we're just like fucking around and they're like, "What do you want to do?" And my buddies are like, "Let's go hang out with your parents." I'm like, "Are you <laughs> kidding me?" But I remember I was having a conversation with my mom and we were talking about drugs and I smoked some weed or whatever and i was telling no i actually I, this was i forgot when it was It was probably my late teens when i was telling her this i'm like yeah i i dropped acid once because i experimented with it just once and my dad came in and i was so like scared like i wasn't scared of my mom telling her that because we had that communication that back and forth but my dad when he's like what what was that and i was like uh this was a couple years ago but i like tried acid once and he's like huh I used to huff gasoline I was like, holy <laughs> shit
0: what what is that
2: what What did you do and, and it was this moment that he wasn't mad at me he met me at my level yeah. and it was you know I had sort of regretted doing it because it was like, I was skiing. I was with my buddies. I was in a low period at that time. I was like 15. I mean, it was crazy. And I don't, you know, I don't care if people do it. I just was, that was not the right thing. Yeah. At right. The time. Um, it was probably, it was a poor decision. And I, 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 my personally, like I learned from it. Um, again, I have nothing against it. I just, for me, it was not the right thing, but uh, it, it was such a opening experience to be like, ah, oh, So we can talk about this now. Like, that's cool. You know what I mean? That's awesome. And so like the other night talking to my son, you know, I, I had, I, I had to have a talk with him, you know, about girls and, and all that because we had never really sat down and like literally talked about sex, you know? And I knew he knew and, you know, we've seen movies and not, you know, like fry their teeth or something, where they're you know simulating, not actual like. Porn oh, I
3: said porn. before, I watch Midsummer in the theater with my daughter, and if you see Midsummer. Oh
2: god! Oh god! Why? why? How old's your daughter?
3: 19, oh, she's nineteen now. We oh. saw it. She was seventeen. Okay, but still, that is never not uncomfortable. Okay,
2: and- my daughter is fifteen. <laughs> I don't know, man. That. I can't imagine even in two years or ten years or thirty years doing that. Anyway. No,
3: I, I told a story that it was funny because uh, uh, I said, uh, "Do you know how uncomfortable it was watching that scene with, your, with, with you?" And she goes, "About as comfortable it was watching, <laughs> how uncomfortable as it was watching that scene with you." I was like, "Yeah, about the same boat." It's <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean. Anyway, so I, I, but I just remember with my dad sitting down around the same age and he's, he was, it was awkward and he was like, uh, we should probably have a talk. I'm like, okay. And he's like, what do you know? And I told him, he's like, oh, okay. And then he was done. Like, that was it. Like, there was no <laughs> other talk about it. Cause that, you know, it's, it's an uncomfortable thing. But yeah. with my son, when we talked about that, I really tried to be like, look. And, you know, there was, he did not want to make eye contact. It was awkward. I said, I know you want to get the hell out of here right now. I get it. This isn't this is awkward, but I said, look, I want to be open with you and I want you to be able to come to me because I I couldn't talk to anybody about those things I was yeah. feeling in, in yeah. those changes you go through, you know. I had literally I couldn't talk to my dad about it. I wasn't gonna talk to my mom about it. And I just couldn't I I felt alone, you know. Um, not whatever. I mean, we all had our own experiences growing up like that. I just I in that sense, I felt like I was. I didn't know who to talk to until I started talking to friends as I got older or whatever. I wanted that to be different from my son and be like, look, like we can talk about this. I'm not going to be mad or think you're weird or, you know, cause I'll, every kid just doesn't want to think that they're weird. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, right. In front of anybody. Yeah. And I, I just, we I will see how it progresses with him. But I, I wanted to just be like, look, we can talk about this kind of stuff. And again, similar things with like, you know, whether it's drinking or drugs or anything else, I just want to be open and be like, I'm not, you know, I have my experiences and my stories and I look back at my life and sometimes and go, Holy crap. I can't believe I made it this far. You know what I mean? Like there's so many times. And I thought I was a bad kid. I didn't yeah. do a lot of like, bad things, but you know, you think back and go, Ooh, oh, that could have gone a completely yeah. different yeah. way. Right. <laughs> no, there's always
3: have like, done. That I'm like, Oh uh, yeah, that, 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 that's like the, the opening of a horror movie that should not have happened <laughs> yeah. yeah um
2: and i wasn't nearly as bad as some of my my friends and stuff were that had much different home lives and other things that they got into some crazy shit so i don't know it's just having that open communication is 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 key wherever you can you know and i love talking to my kid like i you know my daughter is very much in her i mean she's 15 so she's in a room like 23 and a half hours a day and yeah. you know we talk and there's definitely some moments there but I feel like her and like, that's on my wife's side, she kind of gets, you know, I mean, again, we're close, but my son and I are like, okay, like, and he's also like the crazier one. Like, my daughter is so responsible. Like, I'm not worried (laughs) about her. Whereas my son, I'm like, oh shit, I got to steer this. (laughs) 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 So anyway,
0: no, it's great. I I think if you can you know, be open and, and be a little vulnerable with your kids and show mm. them like you've made mistakes and you done totally. stuff. Like I was having a conversation with my son today because uh, I just went to the doctor to get some like treatment for anxiety issues that I have and things like mm. that. He also has a lot of those same kind of problems. And so I was talking to him about it, like, you know, talking about how your brain works and how uh, you can sometimes get caught up in stuff and how to calm yourself down and just talking about from my own experiences and, you know, and there's no super dad coming out in that. Like I'm just a dude who has anxiety issues at that point, talking to another guy and sharing my experiences with him and just being able to do that, I think really helps open up those lines. So when you do have those situations, uh, they know they can come to you,
3: but you're also normalizing mental health for them. And Mm -hmm. that's super important because you're being like, I mean, I don't know how you, how your parents were, but my parents are very much like, Oh, you want to cry? Nah, fuck off! Like you don't cry. You're you're a boy. You're a male, right? Um, Where you're or you're sad? No, you're not. You shouldn't be sad. Um, where you're really normalizing that form and say, Nah, it's okay, man. Yeah. Like we, I deal with this. It's okay if you deal with it too. And you're probably really gonna gonna help him when it comes to if he needs to get medication or go to therapy in the future. It's not gonna be a, a taboo thing for him. It'll be like, Oh, my dad yeah. did it. I can do it too. So I think that's really cool. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Right? Yeah, that's that's awesome. You're right. And vulnerable is key. Like you're not sugarcoating it. You're not making it seem, you're not putting like a positive, like a a positive spin in the sense that you're trying to fake something. It's like, you know, I feel sad, but dad's going to be okay. Cause everything's fine. And don't worry about right. it. It's like, no, guess what? I, I feel really, you know, shitty or weird or anxious or something. And I, mean, yep. I got to deal with this and this is, this is normal. It's okay to feel that way, you know? Yep. And again, normalizing those types of feelings, that i you know like when we were growing up weren't normalized especially mental health you know yeah, 100%. i mean luckily i always felt pretty close to my parents even you know aside from when i was just talking before even with my my dad to a degree but definitely like i said with my mom like being able to be vulnerable with them especially as i got into my my teens um was key i mean i couldn't i remember we got into a fight like i went jumping off a bridge with my buddies into a canal and, and that was pretty dangerous you know it was not you know, my parents were gone that night and they found out that I was doing that. And my dad was so freaking pissed. And I would wanted to visit my girlfriend at college and my, my now wife. And he wouldn't let me. And I was pissed at him. And it was a whole thing. And I left to go to my brother's to we were jamming our van. I, I actually turned around and came home. I couldn't deal with it. I just came in and just started crying, you know, because I was so upset and we just talked, you know, and yeah. he it again it was one of the first times when i was like a senior in high school at the time that really we had this like communication where we just talked and it wasn't so contentious like he's pissed off so he's just gonna lay down the law yeah because that's the way my dad was no you're not doing it because i freaking said so shut up basically you're not doing what i you know what i mean and it was like a closed gate and i couldn't do anything about it it was now like let's talk about this you know um I actually, I got my ear pierced once when I they didn't want me to do it, and I did it myself. I just jammed something Ooh. in my ear and just freaking did it. And I was leaving the house. My mom goes, that better be one of those magnetic earrings. I'm like, no. And she's like, get the hell back in here. And it's funny. My dad found out. And I tried talking to them. I said, look, I want to pierce my ear. I want to have this conversation. I was like 15. And they were like, no, 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 no. And they wouldn't talk to me about it. So I said, well, fuck that. I'm going to do it anyway. I don't care. my ear i'm gonna do it and they got mad and i told them i said if we would just talk about it so my dad said write me an essay about why you want to pierce your ear and i was like okay so i wrote like a three-page essay and (laughs) uh he took it and he they read it and he actually graded it he gave me an a (laughs) (laughs) like okay you get you get to keep the ear piercing Six months later, I took it out because I hated it. (laughs) I found the essay like years later and I read it and I was like, God, I was an asshole. And I think I had good intentions. I think what I was trying to say was good, but it came out in such a teenager-y fucking like, like just narrow mindset way Mm -hmm. where I was like, wow, you're a (laughs)
1: Dick, dude, <laughs>
3: yeah, just, yeah, uh, I was just way more so I was way more of a wuss I just got my nipples pierced instead because that way they couldn't see them <laughs> oh,
1: <okay. laughs> Bro, oh so, yeah, it just,
3: hurt like a motherfucker just oh. tell anybody out there thinking about that oh, thanks
1: yeah, actually, just this weekend, um, my wife's sister uh, called and they were talking about her, you know, catching up and everything. And she took her daughter, who's 18 and a senior in high school, to get a tattoo. And uh, we just thought that was really cool. She wanted a three because that's her uh, lucky number. Um, and we just thought it was really cool that, you know, her mom grew up in a very, I don't say strict, but not very communicative or, you know, a household that definitely would not fly. And she wanted to give her daughter, you know, the freedom to do those kind of things and, you know, express herself. So we thought that was really
3: it, cool. It's funny because okay. we're very similar. I, I let my daughter get her first tattoo at 17, mainly because she wanted to bet with me when she was five. Uh,
1: <laughs> Go on.
3: So what it was is uh, she has three. So my, my wife is the oldest of of, of four um uh, four girls or four women at this point. And... Um, she was using the word like all the time to the point where I was basically thinking I'm just going to smash my head through a window. And so I said, if you don't use the word like in the wrong fashion for one month, 30 days, which is hard for, uh, I think she might have been six, but she's young. I said, I will write right now off that I will get you a tattoo each in turn 17. And holy shit, she did it. I did not expect her to do it. <laughs> I was thinking there's no way she's winning this bet. She won it. And to this day, that word's in most of our vocabularies. But you, you guys know what I'm talking about. Jason, you live in California. You know what I'm talking about oh, yeah. when that word's over the top. So, yeah, I got her tattoo. She actually went to my tattoo artist. So it was cool. <laughs> was
2: <laughs> got the a tattoo, tattoo the word like? <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know what? I may have told my tattoo artist that she tried to get that. Don't fucking do that. Uh, she <laughs> uh, she got a butterfly. Uh, a kind of a really cool uh, uh, a butterfly. Uh, I can't, I, I don't even know how to describe it. Like a, like a neo-modern art uh, butterfly that came out really good on her forearm. And I'll be honest, we had the conversation. I said, hey, if it's on your forearm, I have to tell you this. It's fucking stupid. But someday when you apply for jobs, you probably got to wear a long sleeve shirt because people still somehow think that if you have a tattoo, you're a terrible human being. But uh it's totally cool. So she she got that, and now she's got a beetle on the other arm that came out really good. And uh it's totally cool, man. Like, like you said, like I my I had parents that were very, very if I'd have got my ear pierced at fifteen and not my nipples, uh <laughs> I would have been out of the fucking house. <laughs> have been... I have
2: to say, my parents, you know, again, you know, my dad was definitely laid on the law, but I was the youngest of four, and yeah, my brothers and my sister will always say that I got away with a lot of stuff, but I will always say that I did have, even at that, you know, even in my mid-teens, I did have a relationship with my parents in general that was way mm-hmm. more communicative than other people had. And I I, I, I don't look at it, I, I, listen, first of all, I was always scared of my parents. So it was never me just doing shit and thinking, oh, yeah. they're not going to punish me. No. When my parents, my mom included, my mom was the cold one. She used to file her nails to a point. That was ridiculous. <laughs> And what she would do, like my dad was the yeller, but my mom, if she going to get mad at you, she'd come up to you and she'd take her five nails and stick them into your four, or your head. Take them <laughs> in. She goes, here's five. You want five more? She was going oh, wow. cold. <laughs> and and so you didn't F with her and you didn't F with my dad because he would F you up, basically. Like, not like he never hit me or whatever, but I mean, he you did not want to mess with yeah. you, my dad and but i like i said i think they were older for sure at the time and i also wanted to talk to them i i i did feel the need to like communicate what i was feeling even though it wasn't always you know in the proper ways at the time because i was a kid but i did want to talk to them and at the times that they were receptive to that whether it was the earring or the other things we just had a better a better relationship and I always cherish that. And then, of course, you know, as we all get older and you start having kids of your own and you start looking at your parents and going, holy shit, like that's what they had to deal with. Like, yeah. look at the stuff that they were dealing with at the time. And I, I mean, all my my siblings, we all live very close. We're all very close. I mean, both my brothers and my dad had a bourbon afternoon on Sunday, that's you cool. know, where we hung out and tasted bourbons and talked. And, you know, that's a testament to my parents. And that's, that's a awesome the family mm-hmm. unit that we have that we're, I mean, I literally live two miles away from my parents where I grew up, like, oh, wow, it's, that's cool. you know, and all my siblings are right here in town. Like, that's a Testament, you know, if they were that bad of a parents, we probably wouldn't want to be around them that right. much. And yet we all like, we love them so much. I mean, my dad just turned 80 and we're all like, all right, you know, you better make, cause they live on a big hill. We're like, we were like going after him. Like you better get the garbage taken for you. I don't want you going on that driveway. <laughs> winter. Like, you better get a like, that's we're, awesome you know, so anyway it's it's a testament to that so anything we can do with my kids our kids my wife and i you know in terms of imparting those communication you know like my daughter like we had them go through like i'm catholic we're not like we're both catholic but we're not practicing catholic but my mom's the catholic right so it's like we had them go through the baptism and the communion yeah. but my daughter was getting to to the uh confirmation and she does not hold the beliefs and to be honest we're not forcing her because we're not into it really either we're only doing it for my mom and we said you know what we're not going to make you do it it's you should come to it to yourself if
3: you ever do and that's if awesome
2: you don't, But I had to sit my mom down and say, listen, this is what we're going to do. And she understood. She got it. And I said, she needs to come to herself. I don't want to force her into something because we feel like she should be doing it when we're not even the ones going, oh, you have to go to church. You have to do We don't. (laughs) You know what I mean? What am I doing to my kid? Yeah.
3: But it's funny, it's the opposite. We're, me, and, me and my wife are both atheists. We actually grew up Catholic. And uh, again, uh, not to get into like my weird family life, my parents are super drug addicts and alcoholics and terrible human mm-hmm. beings. They don't listen to this podcast, it's fine. Uh, but <laughs> uh, but uh, so uh, we grew up atheists, but my, my daughter wanted to go to, when she was really young, wanted to go to church with one of her friends. I'm like, yeah, go. Like, have a good time. If that's what you want to go, like I'll support you any direction you want to go. You need to find your own path there. And if, if it's not what I believe in, there's nothing wrong with that. It's okay. We can have different beliefs. Um, but one thing to to bring up, I think you probably helped expand your parents' minds in a good way because it sounds like you're willing to have uncomfortable conversations with them that maybe they weren't comfortable with at the time. Maybe it forced them to open up. Because my child has definitely like brought some conversations to me. That I'm like, holy shit, I would never say that to my parents. But yeah, mm-hmm. we need. To, you're <laughs> right. We need to talk about this. And like, <laughs> I'm super uncomfortable right now, and I just want to jump out this window here. But here we are. You're my kid. And we got to hash through this. And it's helped me develop and grow as a person. And it's, uh, she won't listen to this because, uh, you know, you can't listen to your dad's podcast. That's just not cool, right? My right. kids uh, <laughs> <just laughs> love it. Yeah, but I mean, your kids are a lot younger than mine. When I mean, they get to like 16, they're going to be like, my dad sucks. And they are basically look watching tales from the crypt when they're, you're not, you're not, you're not paying attention. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's helped me expand as a human, just as conversations that I never expected I would ever have in my life. And um, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. It's good stuff.
2: Yeah, it's good. I mean, like, again, just appreciating, you know, I, I, I agree. I, and I never thought of it that way. Like maybe it was like, cause again, like with my brothers and stuff, I don't think they had that. They just did not have that communication. like, yeah. My sister and my mom probably did a little bit more, um, but my sister was also the only girl, and there was a little bit of a she-can-do-no-wrong type of deal, which kind of also blew up in her face. I mean, my sister was great and everything, but like my mom just assumed, oh, she's not ever having sex before marriage or whatever, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, (laughs) I literally said that one day. I was like, oh, mom you know i caught them like her and her boyfriend like you don't put her on some pedestal like she's not <laughs> but uh with with my brothers it was always like the the law is the law and with me i think it was just more like okay can we talk and i think it it did maybe make them a little uncomfortable at first but again eventually as I got older and just even with my brothers and my sister we all got to this point where it became I mean we're very open family in in many aspects Mm -hmm. and talk about a lot of things and that was it's nice it's nice to have that and and hopefully you know I feel like my kids are I, I I'm the same way sometimes my kids say stuff to me where I'm like my wife and I look at each other and I'm like if I said that, or you know, if my wife, because my wife grew up in a very similar household, like you couldn't say certain shit or whatever. Her yeah. parents uh, were first generation Italian. I mean, they, she's first generation Italian American. Her boy, her, both her parents were born and raised in Italy and, oh, and, wow, and stuff. So, I mean, her dad passed away when she was 18. Her dad was like the more, he was a really cool guy. I got to know him a, like very smidge before he passed because my wife and I have been together for 27 years now, I guess, like since high school. So nice. Um, <laughs> But uh, her mom, we haven't talked to in years. That's a whole other story. She's bipolar. She's a crazy hot mess. But um, so anyway, we had similar in terms of like, oh, my God, if we ever said that in front of our parents, it would have been, not mm-hmm. have been a good thing. But yet we welcome it with our kids because we both are on the same
0: page of like, let's have this conversation. Let's talk about it. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah one, one quick tip before we wrap up. If you do have to have an awkward conversation with your kids, you know the best place to do it? The car. you're sitting in the car (laughs) first off you're both trapped neither of you can leave the (laughs) body in that space and you don't have to look at each other nobody is looking at you can just have the conversation you're looking at the road they're looking out the window whatever and you can still talk and you can actually get a good conversation going uh because nobody has to have that like uncomfortable like we're going to sit in the room and talk now, son. Okay, dad. You're trying to get to a place. And so eh, talk while you're there. I my you're- son
2: and I have a lot of great conversations in the car. We haven't had any necessarily awkward ones yet, but we've definitely had a lot of good talks in the car. Because my son, my son's like my wife, he has the gift of gab. He will just talk, 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 which is fine. I mean, I'm the same way, I know, but at the same time, it's a good back and forth. Yeah. But a lot of times when we're in the car, I'm trying to get him to understand, like, see that person over there? They have no idea we're right here. They're on their phone. Right. That person over there, they want to get in that lane, but that person's there. <laughs> you got to watch all this. You don't even understand. No one, like, I'm literally like, he even said, he goes, I like riding with mom better. She doesn't like, <laughs> like but you don't get it. When you're driving, you have to be the <laughs> I'm like, I get crazy because I get scared. You know, my kids are going to get this age. I mean, my daughter's going to be 16 this year.
0: Oh. I'm like,
2: Oh, she doesn't even want to drive, but I'm like, oh my God,
0: oh my God. Yeah, my, not- my, my oldest is the same. He, he's 15 right now and right at that, like, could start getting ready to drive, but also he's kind of like, eh, I'll get it eventually. See,
3: I'm just like, hey, dude, I'm at the brewery. You want to come pick me up t- and take me home?
0: <laughs> <laughs> See, I can't, I, I kind of can't
2: wait to get to that point. It's the in between where I'm like, you know, I don't think I'll ever stop worrying as a parent. You never do, but you never do. There's, that, there's yeah. that sort of thing where you're like, oh my God, they have to go out on their own in a vehicle right without me oh shit you know what i mean like that's i i'm a little
3: yeah even now i tell my kid like i'm not trying to follow where you're going but you gotta tell me where you're going to because if you don't come home tomorrow i need to know where i need to send liam neeson to so (laughs) actually it's very important
1: (laughs) right all right well that wraps up another episode ben thank you so much for coming on thank this you last yes thanks. hey thanks for having me this was a lot of fun guys i appreciate uh, it where it's can good. people follow you find you uh well our website
2: is uh fright it's fright hyphen rags.com and, and on instagram is just at fright rags on twitter it's at fright rags uh facebook if anyone's still there it's facebook.com slash rags um <laughs> And that's pretty much where where you can find everything that we're doing.
1: Awesome. Um, next week we will be reviewing the Reluctant Vampire. We would really appreciate it if you would give us a rating and review on iTunes and a rating on Spotify. And again, check out Fright Rags, great stuff. And if you do, uh, you can use coupon code Crypt Ten to get a discount when you check out. And with that, we thank you for listening to Dads from the Crypt. <laughs> Follow Dads from the Crypt on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, or I will follow you to the grave. (laughs) No, seriously, you really should watch, but be careful what you ask for. You may get it.